Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 cast featuring your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. This week on episode 14 of the 8311 cast, we are all super hyped to go over some Cyclone basketball, college basketball in general, the NFL, and of course, going over our famous segment of Who's Pissed Off? I don't know if it's actually famous or not, but... You, are it you saying famous. this podcast isn't famous? This I'm podcast sh- is extremely famous. We get like three bajillion viewers a week. Yeah, about about 10,000 is their average download count. Don't go look at our actual numbers. They might say that they're different, but those those are lying. It's actually about 10,000 people from I what I hear. Think, I don't think they can pull up our actual numbers. Oh, can only we do that? Yeah. Okay, then you can't tell that I'm lying to you, so we're it's good. because he's not lying. But, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not super pumped with a lot of the performances by the Cyclone team. Wow, but are good you pumped, transition. But that are was... you pumped to talk about them? <laughs> That's just what Wyatt I'm said. pumped to talk Wyatt about them, we but I'm not pumped about them. about them right now. That's fair, but we're pumped to talk about them and distribute this amazing sports-related information into your beautiful ears. Kyle, I've known you long enough to know that you're always pumped to talk, period. I figured that much out, so. That's fair. That's why this podcast became a thing. So, Kyle, talk to us. Talk to us. What happened at the Cyclone, the Cyclone football realm of things this past week? Yes, all those words didn't make sense together. Don't think about well, it. Well, we really don't have much to talk about Cyclone football related, Wyatt. Um, did I say football? So I definitely yes, football oh, football has been gracious. completed. Um, I don't know if you were sleeping for the past month or not. No, I was uh, there. I was, I was did, you, all the did you go into hibernation? Um, I should. That's probably why I'm fat. And the only thing of note is the that Montgomery and Butler entered the draft, but we talked about that last week. So I was just making sure can, I was can we, testing can we go? Can we go talk about basketball now? Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. I'm going right, to we'll, talk about the women's basketball yeah. team here. Mike's got that. So the as, as we talked about last week, the uh, women's basketball team had a huge matchup coming up with Texas that they had uh, on, was that on Saturday? Yeah, it was on Saturday at Hilton Coliseum. And the uh, Cyclones lost to Texas. I believe it was 64 to 62. I know it was by two points. I think that was the final score. That is the final score. In absolutely heartbreaking fashion. Bridget Carlton missed a uh, tying jumper at the buzzer for the uh, for the Cyclones as they fell to number 11 Texas at Hilton Coliseum. So definitely not a bad loss by any means, but that was just a it was just a heartbreaking way to lose a game. The Cyclones really battled back in the fourth quarter. Um, with three seconds left in the third quarter, the Cyclones were down by 12 before Bridget Carlton uh, got uh, fouled shooting a three with uh, one second left in that third quarter, and she made all three of those shots. So the Cyclones were essentially down 12 at the start of the fourth quarter and managed to battle all the way back to tie up Texas multiple at multiple points late in that fourth quarter. Texas just hit some incredibly tough, tough jumpers uh, down the stretch to be able to uh, keep the Cyclones, uh, keep just ahead of the Cyclone women. Bridget Carlton still played a fantastic game, and... Um, yeah, she took over, dominated in the fourth quarter. And despite the loss to Texas, this this Cyclones basketball team is still probably the third best team in the Big 12. I don't see anybody else being able to uh, compete with Baylor and then Texas and then Iowa State for being the uh, the top teams in the Big 12. And this is definitely still an NCAA tournament team, barring like an injury to Bridget Carlton or something like that. This team is still going to be an NCAA tournament team when... Uh, when uh, March rolls around, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what seed they get and how far they go. But it'll be fun to uh, 
to keep watching keep watching these this women's team and see how far they can go this year. It's a really special group led by Bridget Carlton. As for the Cyclone men, um, they came off of starting the year two and zero in in conference play, and then they dropped an egg. Uh, laid an mm. egg. They, they just laid an egg this week. Most people do say lay an egg instead laid of drop an egg. an egg. Well, I guess dropping it's a little more devastating. Yeah, it, well, it was pretty devastating this week with losses on the road to Baylor and then a loss at home to Kansas State. So about a week ago, we were talking about this Cyclones team as having a chance to compete for the Big 12 uh, regular season title. And... Uh, a week later, we are now saying that that is completely out of reason, and this Cyclones team needs to really find their identity of who they are. They looked amazing against Kansas, but right now, the Cyclones team, the men's team, is sitting at four and four on the season against Power Five teams. So that's not a great track record. One of those four wins is. Uh, Oklahoma State on the road, but Oklahoma State was projected to finish last in the Big 12 this year. So, yeah, we should have won that game anyway if we're projected to be in the top half of the conference. But you can't lose a game to K-State at home. You have to defend home court, and you have to beat the teams that you're supposed to. I would say that that Baylor on the road and K-State at home were two games that the Cyclones needed to win in order to have a shot. And so the Cyclones just need to find an identity right now. Lindell Wigington is still struggling coming back to find his place. I I believe he's very inconsistent with his shots from the field. Um, he's not making free throws to potentially uh, put the game out of reach for uh, K-State to end the game. Um, a little bit more into that. The Cyclones were up by one with, I believe, 19 seconds left in the game. Yeah, about that. 19, and, something like uh, that. Weiler Babb inbounded the ball. Lindell Wigington was fouled immediately. And it was a one-on-one situation. And he clanks the first shot. and It, w- it wasn't close. It, w- it was it, a bad free throw. It was, it was, a, really it was bad. a bad shot. And right when... I saw them inbound the ball. I made a comment while we were watching it. I said, I'd rather have Weiler Babb taking that free throw right now. And it's just the comfort level. I don't see that Lindell Wigington is comfortable on the floor right now. I see him jacking up shots that um, are heavily contested. He's shooting over defenders from 24 feet out uh, with a hand in his face. It he just looks out of sync from coming off of his injury, and I think he's trying to do too much with the projection of him maybe entering the draft at the end of the season. Um, as he's playing right now, I don't see many scouts wanting him in the draft this year based on his performance, but that we'll get into later in the season depending on how he plays. But there's just a not, not a lot that's going well for the Cyclones right now. Marielle Shayok had a bad game against K-State. He looked was very frustrated on the offensive end. His shots weren't falling. Um, but so far, he's been the bright spot for this team. He's still the leading scorer in the Big 12, I believe. Um, and he's averaging almost 20 points per game, which is very good so far, and it's what we've needed from him. But 
I just don't see this team as a team that can compete for the Big 12 title anymore. Um, I think KU and Texas Tech are going to be far better than than this Iowa State team can be, and the team just needs to be consistent. That's that's what it boils down to. I feel that Prome will get into that and really talk about that this week, but it's a huge test as the Cyclones go on the road to Lubbock on Tuesday night this week, I believe. Tuesday Wednesday, or Wednesday night. I think it's Wednesday. I think it's Wednesday. Yeah, I think you're right. To double check, but I'm pretty sure it's Wednesday. I think you're right on Wednesday night. So, yeah. That's yeah, it's Wednesday. That's a that that'll be a big test for them. So uh, we'll see what they can do if they'll go to three and two in conference or if they'll fall to two and three. I don't know, Mike. What are what are you, what are it, you analyzing? I think that I I agree. I really like what you said when you said they're looking for an identity. I still think that they they've got a lot of talented players, but I still think since Wigington has come back, they're still trying to figure out that chemistry a little bit, figuring out how to play as a team. They figured something out against Kansas on the defensive end that was able to do it, but they just look like they don't know who this team should go to in a late crunch time situation when they need a bucket or they need a free throw. They've got they they look like they don't know what they should do. Should they go to Shayak, who's their leading scorer? Should they go to Wigington, who was uh, their best player last year? Wyler Babb, who's their point guard, the team leader. They really just don't know who they should go to in these situations. And I mean, it showed late game against, uh, against K state. They were able to, they, they, uh, didn't score on the second to last possession before that Wigington foul on the defensive end after the Wigington, uh, missed free throw. Um, it was one of the easiest buckets K state got all game, which you'd figure wouldn't be the case when they were down a point with less than 20 seconds left. You don't figure it should be an easy bucket. There was no, no communication on defense, and that guard. What is that guard's name for K State, Kyle? Is it Barry Brown? Barry Brown. Was it Barry Brown? Or was it the other it guy? Was Barry Brown. Was it Barry Brown? Was able to get right into the lane. There was no help defense. Was able to get right into the lane and make the easy layup without even. He was it, even thinking well, about it. It wasn't just Barry Brown. It was the entire uh, backcourt for K State was able to get into the lane all game. It, the Cyclones weren't rotating on defense very well, and the posts weren't coming over to help. And if they were coming over to help, the weak side defense was terrible and not in the position that it should have been. So then they were able to dump it off and get easy buckets. The it, the defense, I don't know what happened in the KU game, but since then the defense has not been the same. And for a while there, there was a stretch where Iowa State finally got back to a little bit of its identity, which Coach Prome talks about all the time, push the tempo, uh, play fast, play aggressive on the offensive end, score buckets early so that you maximize the amount of possessions you can get in a game. For a stretch of about four minutes, the Cyclones did that in the second half to take a lead, but then they weren't able to maintain that lead, and K-State was able to get back into their defense and stifle the offense. And that happened against Baylor, too. The offense was just stifled during the game because Baylor slowed down the entire game. So if our identity is going to be push the tempo, we need to find a way to continue to push the tempo throughout the entire game rather than letting other teams' defense dictate how we're going to play our style of offense and our style of basketball. So it 
it'll just be interesting to see what happens, how Coach Prohm uh, gets this team ready as we go uh, further into conference play this week uh, with a date against Texas Tech on Wednesday night. Um, a little bit of an update, um, player update. Solomon Young has officially uh, requested a medical redshirt, so he is done for the season. And the way that I view this is Solomon Young came back and didn't really see a much of a role for him in this team this year after being out for really the first third of quarter to third of the season. And he wasn't seeing much playing time when he came back. And I don't know if he's still dealing with lingering pain or lingering issues from his previous injury. Um, but I see him either uh, medical redshirting so that he can transfer, transfer or redshirting so that when players leave next year, he will have a, an expanded role um, in this team. Do you have any thoughts about that, Mike? I think that uh, I... Ooh, that's, I think that Solomon Young will probably stay around. I think he's seeing what this Iowa State program can do. And I think, I mean, he's seen, like, with even with his own injury this year, right? He's seen, and uh, Cameron Lard's suspension, he's seen that anything can happen on a basketball team like this. And even if he's, right, he could be one injury, one suspension away from being the star of this team like um, like Jacobson was, for the non-conference play, right, when both Solomon Young and Cameron Lord were out, right? No one had heard of Michael Jacobson going into the year, right? No one expected great things of him, and now even after Lord and Young are back, he's still a starting, I guess, center, I guess. I mean, he's not really a center, starting but a, a big man, yeah. He's, the, he's a starting big man on the floor, right? So it's always just a little bit away from, uh, from being able to contribute, and I think he's seen enough special things in Hilton and with this Iowa State program that he's going to be able to want to want to stay around and want to see what this program can do because I think that in general Iowa State isn't a school that players transfer away from right can you name a player who's transferred out of this program in the Steve Prohm era not in the Steve Prohm the only one I can think of is Clayton Custer from the Fred Hoiberg yep. era who, who went, went to, to Nevada. Loyola Loyola yep sorry not Nevada and uh Hallis Cook also left yeah. He went to Nevada. Yeah, yeah. So those two from the Steve Promare, but nobody or from the Hoiberg era. Well, well Cook, Cook was Cook from was the Promare. From the Promare. Yep. So, right, so just a couple of players that transferred out. But just think about all the players who have transferred in to this uh, Steve Prom program. I mean, three of our starters: Jacobson's a transfer from Nebraska, Wyler Babb from Arkansas, Shayok from Virginia. Right? Iowa State has become a place where players want to transfer into, not transfer out of. So I don't think Solomon Young is gonna is gonna transfer Did, out. Didn't of here. Cameron Lard transfer as well? I'm not I thought sure. he signed somewhere and then transferred in. I'm not one hundred percent sure addition. on that. So you're right. He, this isn't this is transfer you where people come to play for us, um, and this is where we turn those players into key role players for our teams. Um, well, I mean, not even role players. Shaq might be a best star player. players, star players. So it's, it's just what happens. And continuing with personnel, um, I know, Mike, you and I have been talking about this for a while. Should Wigington replace Horton Tucker in the starting lineup? Should we finally replace our starting five, which has been starting since the second game of the season, and mix up that lineup so that Wigington – 
can immediately get into the flow of the game and hopefully spark some of his game back to his form from last year. Yeah, I think I talked about this last week too, that I really think Wigington should be in the starting five. I think that outside of a, a short stretch against Baylor, Horton Tucker has just looked overmatched in uh, Big 12 competition. I haven't been able to watch closely enough to figure out exactly why that is, why he hasn't been as effective as he was in the non-conference. But I think it's time to get Wigington in so you, Wigington can show off what what he was able to do last year that even made the team decent last year. Like They weren't good last year, but without Wigington, it would have been one of the worst teams in Iowa State history. And just the presence of Wigington made it a, still a not good team, but they weren't awful. And I think you just need Wigington now to be able to take this team from, from, from pretty good where they are now to take the next step. I think that needs Wigington in the starting five. Horton Tucker's got a ton of talent and a ton of potential. And I mean, some people are even talking about him as a first-round draft pick if he were to go pro after this year. I'm not sure about that one. But... Um, yeah, I think you just got to let Wigington, who I still think is your best player, you've got to start him and you've got to let him play. I think I talked about that last week. but Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, so uh, what are your thoughts? Is it time for us to start panicking about this Cyclones team? I know we, we are a little distressed with what's going on so far, but um, looking forward, are you panicked? No, I'm not. I'm disappointed because I thought this team had so much more potential, but I'm not panicking by any means this team is still fine when it comes to ncaa tournament and stuff like if you look at um the ken palm ratings which you you can find at kenpalm.com for those listening for those who don't know what the ken palm is um this guy ken pomeroy ken palm you get it uh came up with a rating system based off um some advanced metrics for college basketball offensive and defensive efficiencies some strength of schedules uh, things like that that um, just different, uh, more analytical ways to analyze basketball and ranks all the teams. Iowa State is still ranked number 17 in that Ken Palm, um, that Ken Palm system. So obviously, right, these metrics still think that Iowa State is a very good basketball team. And this new uh, system for um, determining tournament teams that the NCAA um, instituted for this season, the NET, is a lot more similar to this this Ken Palm than it is to the old RPI that they used to use. So seeing this, um, and I guess, yeah, so seeing this, that Iowa State is still good in the offensive and defensive efficiency categories, Ken Palm still has them top 30 in both offensive and defensive efficiencies. So I think it's not time to panic. I think it's to be disappointed. This team could have done so much more than they've done so far, but I think it's definitely not time to panic. I know for sure one team that isn't panicking at all right now, and that would be the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, on Saturday, they had a marquee matchup in Tallahassee, a date with Florida State, who is ranked 13th in the AP Top 25, and Duke was able to survive. Um, that's that's really the best way to put it. They lost their star, uh, well, one of their stars, uh, Zion I saw, Williamson. Yeah, I saw a mock draft that had all the first three picks all being from Duke. Of, so of one course. of their stars. Because they have four NBA players on their roster that are all starting. Uh, I'll get into that in just a little bit. But uh, Zion Williamson goes down in the first half after getting MMA jabbed in the eyes. Uh, somebody, I guess, 
the mixed martial arts community, if you want to go look up this Florida State player and uh, sign him to a contract, he's pretty good at gouging eyeballs out. So um, he he really got both of his fingers into Zion's eyes, but apparently, according to reports, he will be good to go on Big Monday. Who are they playing on Monday? Ooh, that's a good question. I uh, we'll, we'll get back to you on that in just a second. And so... Zion should be back. Syracuse. They play Syracuse. So not a game that he really uh, would be missed too much, but it's just good for their chemistry to get him back ahead of their date with Virginia coming up on, on next Saturday. Saturday. That's a huge so game. So that's a big game. Make sure you tune in to watch that game uh, if you want to see a top five matchup. Um, but the the story is R.J. Barrett came to play. Uh, scored 32 points and really controlled controlled the game for Duke. He's a great floor general, is able to distribute the ball, can also shoot. And when it comes to the end of the game, when they needed a big shot, well, he didn't make free throws. So that's, that's the one uh, downside against him in order to tie the game. They missed, missed the free throw but got lucky as the ball went off of Florida State out of bounds, so they had a chance to inbound the ball. R.J. Barrett took all of the um, attention from the Florida State defense and left Cam Reddish completely open for a wide-open three-pointer. nobody anywhere near him. Nobody within 15 feet. Everybody was under the basket or on R.J. Barrett. 15 feet is a little excessive. A basketball court is slightly smaller than you think. It was more like seven feet, but still. Okay, well... It wasn't close. I just wanted I just wanted to make my point clear that he was open. Exaggeration is a million times worse than understatement. Kyle, you of all people should know this. I don't like understating things. I'd rather exaggerate them. But nobody was close, and Cam Reddish hit the game winner, and Duke survived. Uh, Coach K looked like a very happy dad on the sidelines. <laughs> uh, if you if you were able to see that, uh, he was very excited for his players, as he should be, um, and they are most likely going to maintain their uh, top spot in the AP poll. And they're un- undoubtedly probably the team that this NCAA tournament is going to go through this year. I, we've been talking about this in segments uh, throughout the year so far, but this Duke team really does look like a tournament-built and tested team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And speaking of that matchup with Virginia we just talked about, Virginia is one of the two undefeated teams left in college basketball along with uh, Michigan. So it's going to be really interesting to see come uh, next episode if we still have two teams among the ranks of the unbeaten or if Duke will uh, will uh, beat Virginia at Duke. That'll be interesting. So speaking of free throws and how Duke missed free throws, Lindell Wigington missed free throws, didn't you say that your Minnesota Golden Gophers missed some free throws too? Is that why you're pissed off this week? Yes, I am pissed off this week at college basketball players not being able to make free throws. So this all started for me as I went uh, when I was uh, back home on break. I went to the uh, University of Minnesota basketball game. They were playing uh, Maryland, and uh, Minnesota looked pretty good in the first half, and everything everything was going pretty good. And they collapsed in the second half and ended up losing to Maryland. And part of the reason why they lost to Maryland was that Minnesota ended up shooting 9 for 23 from the free throw line. Or that, that's, that's under 40% from the, 
from the free throw line, which is un- I can't even explain how unacceptable that is for a Division One college basketball team to not be able to make at least even 50% of your free throws. Like, I feel like when you get our first uh, intramural basketball box score coming up here in a couple of weeks, that our free throw percentage will be over 40%. And none of us have played basketball in like a year, and yet we'll still be able to shoot better than 40% from the free throw line. It's just insane how college basketball players who are getting essentially getting paid right, with their scholarships to be able to play basketball can't shoot free throws better than that. And then Lindell Wigington, right, in a big situation just like that where he really needs to step up, really needs to make a big shot, all of that, just clanks it off the, off the right side of the rim, not even close, just a brick, one of the worst free throws I've ever seen in a big situation. I was, uh, I was really, really upset at free throw shooting from the college basketball teams that I care about, and I don't get it. It's simple. Just go at the line and shoot free throws in practice, right? It doesn't take that long to get a rack of balls and, uh, and, a, and, uh, and a manager, an assistant coach, and just shoot 100 free throws and get better at it. It doesn't take that much time, that much effort to just get better at free throws. I don't get why people aren't better at free throws. For your, all of our listeners' reference, the national average for NCAA basketball is 69% free throw percentage. So the 40% is uh, just slightly lower. Um, Only about than that, 30%. Than that national average. So not good. Not good at all. And it didn't help how the Gophers looked that uh, Maryland was able to shoot 89% free throws in that game too. So that really didn't help uh, how bad the Gopher free throw shooting looked during that game. Well, speaking of collapses, we had a few collapses from the NFL teams in our divisional round this weekend. Uh, Some teams that didn't really want to show up to play uh, football and um, some teams that started the game out well and then collapsed for the rest of the game. So, Mike, do you want to kick us off with our NFL segment? I was just going to hand it over to you to talk about the Chiefs dominating performance over the Colts especially that Chiefs defense who had been I'm just gonna be fair awful most of the year was able to completely destroy the Colts in the first half the Colts didn't even have a first down until there was less than a minute and a half left in the first half like can you just talk about the Chiefs domination of the Colts especially that defense for a little bit here Kyle yeah so uh Chiefs Nation where was that defense all year um the defense that this is the same defense that's allowed over 300 yards to pretty much every team in every game this season and that has forced the offense to score basically 35 points a game in order to win any sort of football game uh yeah I don't know where this came from but the defense looked great I don't know if it was a combination of weather conditions and the Colts not liking to play anywhere outdoors since they only play indoors all the time but uh, it was a sloppy game, uh, sloppy game conditions as the Kansas City metro area saw between 6 to 12 inches of snow uh, overnight before the game, um, and fans were having fun in the stands throwing snowballs onto the field, but that's a different story. Don't do that. That'll get you penalized and kicked out. Well, it, it got people kicked out, and it caused Andy Reid to have to go over and yell at people, so I don't really want to see Andy Reid yell You don't at want to be yelled at by Andy Reid? No He's kind of intimidating. Good, yeah. 
He reminds me a little bit of Mark Mangino and the fact that he might eat you if he gets too upset. <laughs> so I, I love Andy Reid as a coach, but I don't want to be on his bad side. But as for the Chiefs, they're, they're on his good side right now. The Chiefs played phenomenal. Bob Sutton is – I still think he should be on the hot seat, but, hey, he deserves a nice pat on the back for this performance. Um, it, Andrew Luck looked uncomfortable. T.Y. Hilton didn't get a reception until – midway through the second quarter and the the Chiefs just really dominated the Colts. The only thing that the Colts really did was block a punt which was just poor execution by the Chiefs special teams uh line. Just let a rusher straight up the A gap um right to the right to our punter and they recovered in the end zone for seven. But you really knew that this game was not in the Colts' favor when Adam Vinatieri missed a field goal from within 30 yards at the end of the half. He his doinked short, it. His shortest missed field goal of his career. He doinked it. And uh, in a in a tweet this week, Charles Woodson, who used to play for the Oakland Raiders, uh, tweeted that uh, at, about Adam Vinatieri, now he decides to miss field goals in the snow. That's in reference to Adam Vinatieri sealing a Super Bowl victory over the Oakland Raiders. Um, quite a few years ago. I don't remember what year, but Adam Vinatieri doesn't miss in the snow. Last year in an all-out blizzard, he made an extra point to tie the game with about a foot and a half of snow on the ground in Buffalo. So the the game was just not in the Colts' favor at all. Um, 31-13, to 13, the final score. The Chiefs controlled time of possession. They controlled the line of scrimmage on defense. They can They were able to run the ball. Damian Williams, who was our third-string running back to start the year, uh, was able to run for 129 yards and a touchdown. So Pat Mahomes looked good in his first game uh, in the snow. But this is, as Mike had mentioned earlier today, I'll give him the credit for this, Pat Mahomes is the first Big 12 quarterback to win a playoff game. There are plenty of Big 8 Team, big eight quarterbacks to win playoff games, but this is the first Big Twelve quarterback to win a playoff game. So. I was really surprised to see that stat when I uh, when I saw it on uh, Saturday evening. But I did. I they fact checked it, and I fact checked it, and it is true. Yeah, that's so. that's crazy to think about. But the Chiefs will be moving on, um, and this is the first time that they will host a championship game in Arrowhead. Um, so. It'll be fun to watch. Arrowhead will be rocking. And and they're going to play who else but? Tom Brady. And the New England Patriots, who absolutely crushed the Chargers to uh, make their eighth straight AFC championship game. I really thought the Chargers had a chance in this game. They played well all year. But that game was, was over, just like the Chiefs game was over really early. So is that, uh, so is that uh, Chargers Patriots game too. The Patriots scored touchdowns on their first five drives of the game. Yeah, They're, the the Chargers didn't even have a chance. Yeah, even uh, a great game by Philip Rivers wouldn't have been enough to make up for what was an awful performance by the Chargers defense. And Philip Rivers didn't have a great game on top of it. I also saw that uh, Melvin Gordon, who uh, is one of the best running backs in the NFL, only had like nine carries for fifteen yards or something all game. It was similar to his stat line, which, I mean, partially speaks to the fact that the Chargers were behind so much so early, so they had to be throwing the ball all the time. 
but still how ineffective he was in being able to establish any kind of rhythm for the uh, for the Chargers. And yeah, they just got crushed. And Brady and Belichick are back in the AFC Championship game, like I said, for the eighth straight time. Eventually, they're going to fall apart, right? Eventually, they won't make it back there. Brady's getting old. But again, we thought last year might have been the year they went to the Super Bowl. We thought this year might have been the year they're back in the AFC Championship game. I just don't know when when it's going to end for this Brady-Belichick combination. Yeah, it, it's just an amazing combination. And Philip Rivers now is 0-9 in his games against Tom Brady. So it, it nobody can beat them, it seems. And it seems that when they get into playoff football, it, they're just unstoppable until the Eagles stopped them in the Super Bowl last year. It. It's not fair how good that they are together and how well they can perform as a duo. And about the um, Melvin Gordon uh, topic, the Chargers' offensive line was dismal. So I we can't blame everything on Melvin Gordon and the rhythm because when there are four Patriots players in the backfield, once Melvin Gordon gets the ball handed to him, there's not much you can do. And the Patriots' defense was getting all kinds of pressure through the gaps. There were offensive linemen who weren't even blocking. They were double-teaming a guy on a four-man rush, and they were leaving a guy open. So it, it was just a very poor performance for the Chargers. A lot of people can say, oh, it's because they had to fly to Baltimore and then back to L.A. and then back to New England. It, they just didn't show up to play the game. Had had the game been closer, maybe you can talk about that, but the game wasn't close at all. They didn't show up to play football. Yep. So that means the AFC Championship game is set to be uh, Patriots at Chiefs from Arrowhead next Sunday. Um, what do you think for that game, Kyle? You think the Chiefs are going to be able to get it done, or will the magic of Brady and Belichick continue all the way to the Super Bowl? Will the Patriots def- or will the Chiefs defense have any more success than the Chargers defense did in stopping Brady and Belichick? I think that the Chiefs will be able to um, get revenge on a loss from the Patriots earlier this season. The game is in Arrowhead, so I, I do believe that they, will be able, that they will be able to pull it out and the Chiefs will be back in the Super Bowl. Okay, that's interesting. So over in the NFC, we've got uh, the first game on Saturday was that the Rams were able to outlast the Cowboys. The uh, Rams got off to an early lead before the uh, Cowboys came back to close it to within eight, but eight was the final score, 30-22. to 22. The Rams, not the St. Louis Rams. I'm going to say St. Louis at least one more time while talking about this game. They're the L.A. Rams. The Rams um, were able to uh, outlast the Cowboys behind uh, really the running game. Todd Gurley, the combination of Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson was, uh, was just insane there for the... Uh, for the Rams, and what I want to know is, like, I, I, I know the progression of C.J. Anderson, but how does a back as good as C.J. Anderson find his way to be the backup on such a good team like the Rams? He was a Pro Bowl running back just a couple of years ago in Denver, but now he's found his way all the way to be the backup for the Rams, and Todd Gurley's already, in my opinion, the best back in the uh, NFL, and when you can when you can give him a breather with a back like C.J. Anderson, it's just not fair to a defense when you've got two running backs like that. I think that combination of running backs makes it just insane 
uh, backfield for the Rams, and it makes them really hard to beat. It's going to make them really hard, make it really hard for uh, for anybody to beat the Rams. Well, we'll we'll see if they'll be able to run through the championship game and run over the Saints because they will be facing the Saints in the championship game as the Nick Foles magic has officially ended. Uh, he is now not undefeated in the playoffs uh, with his loss to Drew Brees and Sean Payton and the rest of the Saints. The Eagles roared out to a 14-point advantage, uh, and this game didn't really look interesting or close at all to start. The, the Eagles had it in their grasp, but Drew Brees uh, and the rest of the Saints were able to chip away at the, at the Eagles' lead and eventually seal it with a game-winning interception, uh, pretty much, um, as Alshon Jeffrey let a ball go straight through his hands as the Eagles were headed into the red zone to potentially uh, take the lead as they were down by six at that point. As it stands, they end up losing by six, um, and Nick Foles, we'll we'll see what happens to him. Uh, Four years ago, Andy Reid talked him out of retirement and since he has won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. So we'll see if he decides to stay with Philadelphia or if he will uh, retire now. But for now, the Rams and the Saints will square off and in a rematch of a regular season game, which had previously happened in New Orleans and will happen again in New Orleans as the Saints took down the Rams. Mike, who do you think will win this football game? I think that... The Saints are definitely going to win this football game. I think that after the first two uh, Eagles drives where they scored 14 points, they really tightened up and really played uh, really played great defense this game. So I don't, and I think that the Superdome is just going to be so loud, and that the Rams are not going to be able to uh, be able to communicate well enough. They're going to frustrate Jared Goff and that Rams offensive line with that noise, and um, that. This the yeah just the home field advantage is just going to be too much for the uh, for the Rams to uh, overcome and that the Saints will win that game I think I think that it's going to be be the Saints in the Super Bowl for the NFC which would kind of fit because they were the best team in the NFC throughout the course of the regular season so if they get one more game then they're in the uh, Super Bowl representing the NFC and I think they will get that one last game. So does that mean we're going to be heading into your favorite segment of our podcast right now? I do like my favorite segment. You like your favorite segment? Yeah, I do like my okay, favorite segment. Okay, thank you for clarifying yep. that you like your favorite segment. No problem. Okay. Do you like my favorite segment? Not particularly. But 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 it's the Mike's Amazing Rules segment. It's, uh, it's everybody's the Mike's favorite Stupid segment. Rules segment. It kind of uh, depends on what rule you're going for. If it's a hockey rule, it's generally the Stupid Rules segment. But if it's something more interesting, it's... The mic's okay. This is kind of interesting, I suppose. Segment. You know, seeing as I make these outlines, I could really just change the name of the segment on the outline, and neither of you would do anything. Except so, you. Except change it back. You can't. Neither of you would notice. You can't change it in our head, though. Oh, I can get in your head, Kyle. I will change it. This will become the Mike's Awesome Will segment by the end of this podcast. Not like this episode, but like this podcast as a whole. When's the podcast going to end, Mike? We don't, we don't have an end date. This will go until we stop. It's never going to end, and it's never going to change the name of your segment of Mike's Stupid Rules officially to anything else. How about that? Fine, but I'm going to talk about a really awesome rule anyway. All right, what do you got? All right, so we're going to talk about a rule here 
that uh, you all know from football, but you all probably, uh, you'd all probably be pretty surprised to see is actually a rule in hockey. And that rule is delay of game. The delay of game is actually a penalty in hockey, just like it is in the NFL. So in order to get a delay... Is there a play clock? No, there is no play clock. I'm about to explain how you get a delay okay, of game. Okay, yeah, explain hockey. it. Apologies for interrupting you. I'm a little impatient, though. No, you're good. So the way you get a delay of game in hockey is so, right, you know you've got the boards, and then you've got the glass above the boards, right, in hockey, right? So if you were to shoot the puck outside, like above the boards, above the glass, into the stands, when it's not tipped by either one of your teammates or an opposing player, so just shoot it clean outside of the rink into the stands, that is delay of game in hockey, and that is a two-minute minor penalty. They don't like you just throwing the, uh, throwing the puck into the stands to get maybe a whistle, a stoppage of play, so you could change players, things like that. So they make doing that a minor penalty, two minutes for delay of game. If you were to, if you were to, uh, if you were to shoot the puck outside of the outside of the rink into the stands. I wonder how many people have gotten injured by flying pucks into the stands like it just flies out of the rink into the stands and hits some drunk hockey fan right in the middle of the face i I assume i assume it's probably the second second most injuries for uh for objects flying uh out of the off of the playing surface baseball is probably number one and i guess it's hockey is number two as far as things flying from the playing surface and injuring a fan but anyway did delay game make sense i mean yeah it does, I suppose. I don't know why it's called the delay of game penalty. It should be called the puck outside of the arena. You suck. Don't do that penalty or something like that. Because you're trying to delay the game and get a stoppage by throwing the puck out of the rink. That's why it's delay a game. You're delaying the game. You're stopping the flow of the game. It, it's similar to basketball where they don't hand the ball back to the official like if they throw it off to the side. Right. They'll get a delay a game for that. Yeah, that's fair. Usually then it's just a warning they don't do much, but then if it happens again, you'll get a technical. Exactly. Sorry so, sorry if Wyatt just busted all of your eardrums right there with that. But yeah, you should probably go to the ear doctor. You probably should go there anyway. When was the last time you had your ears checked? Probably when you were in elementary school. Ear health is important. And this Mike's is gonna... not an ad. <laughs> it's a tide ad. No. Uh, so no, it's not. Account. So obviously, you have to be accountable with your medical history and all the procedures that you need. But we need to stay accountable for all of our write the write that down predictions that we've made throughout the year. And it appears as if we have two to come off the sheet. Yep, we did have two uh, two predictions to uh, come off the board this week. The uh, first one was my prediction that the Chargers will go to the Super Bowl. Keep in mind, I made this at the begin. I made this in August. I made this prediction, so before the season even started. But regardless of when I made it, it's still not correct. They lost today, so for that, I get a. <laughs> the other prediction we had come off the board uh, is that from Wyatt predicting this low-hanging fruit of Josh will be the last one back in 83.11 after break. We're recording this in 83.11, and Josh is still not here, so that by definition means that Josh is the last one back in 83.11 after break. So I gets a ding, 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 ding. You that, should be very proud of your bunt single. 
hey, it's still a single, man. Not my fault that you guys allowed it. Seeing seeing as all of us had to be back yes by yesterday for something besides Josh, that was a really, really bad prediction. Hey, you guys could have nullified it. I just wanted more points. Gotta play the game. Don't don't blame the player. Blame the game. Or something like that. Isn't that how that works? Okay. Thanks for that. Yeah. So uh, for our account or for our write that down prediction segment this week, I will kick us off. And my prediction is that the Chiefs will cover in the AFC Championship game against the New England Patriots. For any of the, of you who are wondering, the current betting line opened up with the Chiefs as a three point favorite against the Patriots at home next week. So basically, you're saying the Chiefs will win or lose by three. Yes. Less than three or less. Yes. I'd give you a single for that. What do you think, Wyatt? Really? A single? Yeah. I was thinking a double, but... So, so basically the point of the betting line, right, is that 50-50 shot either way, right? That seems like single, ca- single category for our predictions as compared to some of the things we've given a double, like the Chargers will win the Super Bowl from the beginning of the season. We gave yeah. that a double and was, right? That's Just, fair. That's yeah. fair. I'm, I'm Yeah. You convinced me otherwise. I'm totally happy with a single as well. Sweet. You get a single for that, Kyle. Okay. I need I need more predictions correct anyway, so. All right. My prediction, I'm also going with uh, a championship game, but I'm going to the NFC championship game. And I'm saying that the Saints will win by double digits against the Rams. So not just that they'll win, not just that they'll cover, that they will win by double digits against the Rams. It sounds like you gave us three talking points there, like you were gunning for a triple. So just because you did that and I'm salty, I'm going to give you a double. I'm not even salty, but I also would agree with the double. It's not a single because I don't I don't see them personally winning by two. I see the Saints winning. I think right now they're actually poised to be three-and-a-half-point favorites. But uh, double. Double. Okay, double. Wyatt. How about you? So I'm taking us out of the sports realm and into my personal life for this prediction here. And I'm going to say I'm going to make it to all my classes for the first two weeks of school this last semester. And to hold myself accountable, I'm going to Snapchat our group chat to prove that I made it to class uh, every day. Okay. Now, so, I have a lot okay, of classes can, this Can semester. we set a stipulation, though? If you're more than 15 minutes late, it doesn't count as being there in class. I'll take that. I'll take 15 minutes. That's fair. That's fair. So we're looking at your schedule here. You put that uh, in our outline document for you. What what time are those early classes? You didn't put the time. 9 o'clock. All those are 9 o'clock. The one on Thursday is an 8 o'clock. Oh, I do, I do see it now. I do see it now that I look close. It's just really small. Okay, uh, does work count in this, too? Do you have to be on time for work? I mean, I'm going to regardless. So that's in the afternoon. I can make that. What about your two classes that overlap? Um, I'm, that's, so that lecture I'm skipping out on. I got to pop out early to get to that recitation on Tuesdays. Okay, okay. So, oh, so okay. I'll still make it to both, right? Okay, okay. that's fair. Except we- there's no recitations in the first week of class, obviously. Right. Well, yeah. That's okay. why I had to put the first two weeks of class, so. Okay. Ooh. All right, so now that now we've got the rules, the ground rules established. And for just this. just for some background information, I'm notoriously awful at attendance for any lecture whatsoever. That's true. I think the last time I made it to all my classes in a week on time was the first week of classes this past semester. But uh, just for some background information. So what do you guys think? I really don't know what to <laughs> say about this. <laughs> 
there's a lot of classes, so I'm not going to say double. There's there's See, an ADM the, there. The higher the higher we give him, the more likely he is to do it. That's the problem. So you want to give him a single? <laughs> you can't give me a single for that. Because I honestly don't think I can. See, but, but I should want to motivate him to go to class. I should care about him and okay, want him to Okay, let's give him a triple. All right, that's I, fair. I'll give him a triple. For I that. don't think a home... It, it, it would be a home run if you were maybe making this prediction about somebody else. But since you're making it about yourself... And, and you, you can control you, yeah, that. since you ultimately control the success or failure of this prediction, we're going to give you a triple. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the So triple. for five days, you have a triple in the balance. Or, or ten, no, days. 10 days. Sorry, ten days. Sorry, ten days. You have a oh, triple. Oh wait, time out, 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 time out. We have next Monday off, so that means this prediction has to flow over to be the first ten days of class. Ooh. It has to flow over into that third Monday. I said next Monday we the, don't have school. The prediction itself said the first, the first two, weeks, two of weeks of school. The, but the first two weeks of school would be the first ten days carrying over into that next Monday. No, but on not. the but on the class week class calendar, the first two weeks the first of two weeks are not, this week and next week. I would so agree with that. By rule, we can't throw in that Fine. third Monday of the month. Since you only have two classes on Monday, I'll give it to you. Fine. All right, taking a triple on that. And do we have anything from Josh? Has anybody is he still alive? Does anybody I, know? Uh, we, we the, saw, the last I heard from him, I saw a Snapchat that he was bringing back a lot of liquid with him from Wisconsin. Like so a lot of like cheese, cheese curd liquid uh, stuff. Uh, no, um, oh, the, like the other water? kind of liquid. The other they have kind a lot of, of in Wisconsin. Oh, water! Isn't there like a bunch of lakes there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, he just one. just pumped a lot, a lot of, of water, water out of Lake Michigan and yeah. took it with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not not the fermented. He water. wanted that. So, and on that shocking end to our Stop. episode, we're going to get sued by somebody. <laughs> We don't need that in our life. But like Kyle said, with the conclusion of our Write That Down segment, this is also the conclusion of the episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 8311 Cast, episode 14. Join us every week on Mondays, especially now that we're going to be regularly posting again because we're all back in 8311 Studios. I love 8311 Studios. Woo-hoo. Do you love it too, Kyle? I love it. Nice. Thanks for listening to us, like I said. And, uh... Um, we'll, we'll talk to him next week. Is no, 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 no. There was something else in between there. What am I forgetting? Um, Social media. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, and on this terrible outro, thank you for oh, no, joining no, no, us. No, 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 no. Signing off for the 8311 cast, we have your hosts. Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig. And Wyatt Teeter. That's what I was forgetting. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the 11 cast for the fourth time now. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go See you all next week.